0: Hello, everyone. This is Going Beyond Salvation, episode 44, and this is your host, Jess Robinson. And what we're going to go on today in our daily reading, and hope you're enjoying. I know it's a little bit hard when we get into like the law and everything, that it may seem boring, but there's a whole, uh, you know, just so much to it. And you have to look at the heart of God when you're reading about the law, what he was meaning and behind it. And so today we continue on and we talked about, you know, yesterday intercession and, and just, and being a friend of God. And, and so, and now we're continuing in chapter 35 and, and, Yeah, we see it starts off talking about the Sabbath regulations again and that, you know, they are, they are to rest on the Sabbath day. And I think it's a continual thing, especially today, you know, as I've talked about before in previous podcasts that, you know, today they don't honor the Sabbath. They don't honor, you know, church day you know, it used to be grocery stores were never open on Sunday. Um, it used to be years ago, there was no sporting events during the weekend. It was all done during the week. And so, you know, there's not a, a holiness or reverence to the Sabbath. And even believers can be guilty of that. Now I understand, you know, and I know some believers who are like, they are nurses and nurses it's it's a rotating shift and here in Wyoming uh you get put on what's called on call and so a lot of times there are nurses that when they're on call they they definitely don't come to church because they don't want to disturb the church service and you know they they end up having a different sabbath day and whatever is their day off is the day that they rest and And I understand those situations, you know, especially when it comes to those who are nurses, who, you know, they work, you know, those who are dispatchers, those who work jobs that require a lot of sacrifice because they're, they're making a city protected. They're, you know, protecting people's health, things like that. But what I'm just saying is, you know, we're not taking a day to rest. And it's hard and I'm guilty of it too, because on a Sunday, it's, you know, go to church and then it just seems like, oh, we need to get this done and this done. And you're starting to do this checklist because you have work on Monday. And I've had to tell myself, no, (laughs) a lot of times. The only thing that, you know, I will actually do is just read my Bible and I will just sit and I've had to force myself just to sit down and rest for one day instead of being all over the place and it's hard because like this last Sunday I think I had so many things to do and this week I was very antsy and didn't feel like I had any rest and so it's it's something that we need to continue to strive through strive for is to have a Sabbath day with the Lord and I know there are people that you know in different areas where their church day is actually Tuesday there are some churches that do uh, convene on a Tuesday night and because it works for for their congregation it just you know I I believe it's where your heart is at now I think you know and like for me it's like we go on a Sunday it's it's traditional for us to go on a Sunday to church and anything else is kind of extra fellowship, but you know, it's, we have to have that Sabbath day to worship and fellowship with other believers and have that rest, that spiritual and physical rest with God. So I'm not going to spend much time on it because we've talked about it in previous podcasts, but here we, go from Moses getting the instructions for the tabernacle and now there he goes and he assembles the Israelites who had just fallen away from the Lord and then they they repent and now they're getting they're they're going ahead and they're going to build this tabernacle and you just see this different heart of the Israelites at this point And Moses, you know, first off, you know, he has, he talks about taking up an offering and then those who want to serve. And I'm going to talk about first that he was given, we point to Moses first because he was given instructions what to do. And what he could have casually done was just say, well, we're going to travel and then we'll build this when we get to the, to the promised land. No, he doesn't. He actually obeys the Lord and he gives them the instructions, what they need to do. (laughs) And so I think that's how we should be is when the Lord speaks to us on something that he wants us to do, we need to be obedient to what he tells us to do and, and not shuffle around and, and all of that you know twiddling our thumbs until we feel like oh it's the right time when he tells us to do something we're to do it especially if he's he's very persistent about that it needs to be done right now so and then we see that the people are giving and they're giving with a willing and 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 from their heart and We can take that as an example in our own life. When we give, you know, we give tithe, but a lot of times, you know, a part of our relationship with the Lord is also giving beyond our tithe. And, and when we give a tithe or even give beyond a tithe, when we, you know, we're to give with a happy, you know, we're to give willingly and we're to give with a joyful heart. And, you know, and not feel like, and not, you know, feel like it's a sense of duty. When you have that attitude, it's, you need to start checking your heart about why you're giving, because if it's, it's becoming a sense of duty, then, then you're, you're losing the point of why you're giving to the Lord. And so we see that they give and they give so much, like it's just so much. And you just see this heart and this attitude that they're giving all this stuff. It gets to the point that Moses has to tell them, stop, we have enough. There was no lack because these people gave willingly and with this willing heart and, you know, and this joyful heart. And, and then they're also serving, they're helping where they can and that's how we should be is we should have a heart to serve and you know and I've talked about you know how that God gives us gifts and that it can be used for him and one of the things I didn't really talk about was helping using our gifts and and having a a heart of service you know in our own local church a lot of people treat you know that 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 the church has to be taken care of by the pastor and and the wife. And it's it's not that way. You know, they're they're they have different duties, the pastor and his wife. <laughs> or you know, there are female pastors, so I'll just say pastors and the spouses because there are. There are female pastors out there. There's nothing wrong with having a female pastor. If there's a woman that is called into a pastoral leadership, I, I believe, especially if it's the Lord, then it's the Lord (laughs) and we'll be disobedient if, you know, we don't put that woman in that position. So that's my stand. But anyway, back to what I was talking about is, you know, there's as believers, there's something for us to do to help in the church. There's always different things. And, you know, there's different roles and, you know, you know, I've seen churches where they really emphasize service and it just can be one thing because they want everybody to have a chance to have something to do. So they, you know, it could be one thing that you're doing. Maybe you're call, you feel called to helping out with the nursery and, you know, and it's not every week that you help out with the nursery, especially if you have enough people, it's, and it's having that heart to serve. And there's people that have an attitude about, well, I work all week and I don't want to spend my, my time, my rest time doing some, you know, helping out at the church. That's enough work and as it is. This is my day to rest. You know, when we're called to serve in the church, you know, we're supposed to serve in a way that God calls us to serve. And it's not you know, generally somebody being in the nursery. You may not feel called to the nursery. There's other other jobs. There's people that are happy going sometime during the week and, and cleaning the church. You know, it's, it's got to be done. You know, the church has to be cleaned up. Bathrooms have to be cleaned up. And there's people that are happy doing just that. There are people like here in Wyoming where we have snow. You know, there, there are people in our congregation that, that plow the parking lot. And they're happy and content with plowing the parking lot. They're happy and content with mowing the lawn you know, there's different things that you can do, you know, there's teachers for, for teaching Sunday school, there's teachers for teaching kids church, there's, there's so much you can do, you know, and you may not feel gifted in teaching, or, you know, but you feel guilt, you know, you love to clean, you can clean, or, you know, there's people, you know, if, you love technology, churches, you know, especially in this day, technology is a huge thing now with churches to bring people in, working on a website, working on the social media, taking pictures at events, you know, that if you're a photographer, you can go and take pictures at church events that happen. That's service to the Lord. And so I think people... You know, we should have, there's just different roles. And as you know, if you're a brand new believer and you want to start pitching in and helping and go and talk with your pastor or just depending on the size of your church, you know, there may be somebody who's heading up something, maybe just talk to somebody like an even an elder, about what you can possibly, you know, if you want to help out, what can you possibly do? There's nothing wrong with that because they'll guide and direct you where where you need to go and who you need to talk to. which Because I know there are churches out there that are bigger than the church that I go to, you know, in bigger cities. And so there's different roles in there that and different people you talk to other than the pastor. And so there's nothing wrong with wanting to serve. And so and just having this heart of service. But like, as I say before, you have to have a heart to serve. And there's just a lot of people that aren't there, you know. And it and it takes time. You have to pray about it. And, and let the Lord, you know, work on your heart in that area. So, if you haven't been serving in, in, in some role or capacity in the church, start praying about it. Because there's different roles in there. And if, like I said, if you have something, you know, and you don't know, you, you want to help out, but you don't know where you could possibly be placed. Go talk to somebody in leadership about it, you know, and, and see where, where you can be possibly put. You know, when I was a brand new believer and at some point as I started pursuing the Lord even more, I started out just doing kids church once a month that was my, my service at that time. I didn't do anything. I did go to prayer at noon for a while, but I, you know, I just started off with kids church and then I went to Laramie and that kind of, I didn't have a service anywhere for a while. Well, I did at, I think it was the winter of 2016. Yeah, it was the winter of 2000, no, 2017 I had, I helped out like with the church finances and stuff and afterwards, um, but I didn't have any like special role and it, it was kind of hard for me because I was like, I'm so used to like serving, but there was just nothing really going on in the Laram- church in Laramie for a while, the Assemblies of God. And then, you know, as I continued on, I started being faith, like the we left Laramie for the summer to work summer jobs in in Powell. And then we went back and I was starting to do some service stuff again and You know, I was just getting put in different roles and then I came back and they have somebody else doing kids church here in Powell now, but it was like, I had grown so much in my time there with the, with the Lord and just being put in different things. And that's when I started taking classes and now I teach youth group and it's, it's built over the years. And so your service will build the more as you are, you know, you, you're entrusted with little, but then it starts to build. So that's just something that, you know, I wanted to talk about what I saw in the reading. And so, you know, and that was, and so like, we just see now that they're, they're building the tabernacle and doing what the Lord instructed them to do. And so that's pretty much it for Exodus. Now we're going to go and talk about Matthew. So where I'm going to start off in the book of Matthew is uh, what has happened. Like we talked about pretty much just day four, the, you know, Jesus anointed at Bethany. And then, you know, Judas agreeing, agreeing to betray Jesus. And now I'm jumping, you know, I'm still a little bit behind from where we talked about but we're going to continue on and we're going to talk about the Lord's Supper at this point this is day five of the Passion Week this is what will happen by the end of day five we're going to have the Lord's Supper the Garden of Gethsemane Jesus being arrested in his trial with the Jewish leaders Then the next day, day six, is his crucifixion. And so things are starting to roll and everything. And so in Matthew 26, at the start of 17, there's, it's the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which we've talked about the Feast of Unleavened Bread from the book of Exodus. And previous podcasts. This was established. This is the time of the Passover. Which is remembering. You know and see we're in Exodus. So you're kind of seeing, seeing some. Correlation here. Some things running in together. From New Testament and Old Testament. We're coming into Passover. Where. Where it symbolized. The Lord redeeming Israel you know the last plague on the Egyptians was the killing of the firstborn and just as a reminder what had happened was the Israelites they in order to be spared they had to kill a lamb and and roast it and they took the blood of the lamb and covered it on the doorpost of their home so that the angel of the Lord would pass over that house and they would not and they would not be killed. And so what it is, is they're remembering, this is a time of remembrance. And, but Passover was pointing to what Jesus was, was going to do. And this is what we're going to see being fulfilled in this daily reading. So this is where it's going to get exciting. This is where it gets exciting because you're seeing it all culminate (laughs) And so, what is happening is they're getting ready to have preparations for the Passover. We see this really cool story about, you know, he tells them, go and find this place. And it's once again the Holy Spirit just working inside Jesus. He knew what was going to happen. So they end up in this home and. He also in in during this time he talks about, you know, somebody's going to betray him and Judas. I don't know why Judas did this. He's just like surely not I rabbi. And Jesus looks at him and he's like yes it is you. Now nobody really says in the synoptic gospels, which is Matthew, Mark, and Luke, when Judas leaves to go get the get the authorities to go arrest him. Now, in the book of John, we will see that once Jesus has said that it's you, Judas does leave. So at this point, this is when he leaves. And so then they're eating what is supposed to be the Passover. There is debate about whether this is the Passover meal. I believe it's the Passover meal. And we're not going to go into the whole debate about that. So what ends up happening is Jesus, they, he breaks bread, says, take this. This is my body. And then he takes the cup, gives thanks and offers it to his disciples saying, drink from it. All of you, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. What Jesus establishes is communion. And if you are a brand new believer and you go into a church and they have the juice and the little bread wafers, that's what communion is, is taking the body of Christ, which is the bread and, and the juice because I'm not going to drink wine during communion, but it represents the blood of Jesus. And what it is is we are remembering what Jesus did. For us, just like the Jewish people had Passover to remember what the Lord did for them in Egypt, this is the the new ordinance. And so, this ends up happening, you know. And this is because, and the forgiveness of sins was necessary because we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and our sin deserves death. And so Jesus had to die, and his blood had to be poured out for the forgiveness of our sins. So they we see that they seen a hymn and they go to the Mount of Olives. And at this point, Jesus predicts Peter's denial. And you know, because Peter just he wasn't filled with the Holy Spirit yet. This wasn't his time to stand up for Christ. And so Jesus tells them, no, you're going to deny me like three times before the rooster crows. So that ends up happening and they go to a garden called Gethsemane. And that was up on the Mount of Olives. And what ends up happening here is Jesus, he he tells his disciples, sit here while I go over there to pray. He also takes Peter and t- you know, two of the sons of Zebedee, which is James and John. He takes them into the garden and now there's, there is debate about the distance. And one of the questions is, is how close the three were? Because we see that Jesus, he, his soul becomes overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. And so what happens here is Jesus, there's a lot of question about how close these disciples are because they're falling asleep while he's praying. He's telling them to pray and they, we don't see this concern from the disciples. They, they fall asleep and he becomes sorrowful and, and we'll see so you know people are wondering how close the three were because you know while he's agonizing in prayer and they're sleeping it indicates their apathy to christ and his need at this critical hour so he's praying and then he keeps going back and each time he's he's asking the lord you know if it is possible May this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. So he's, he's praying to the Lord that if this is, you know, if anything, and it's, it's more that, you know, his plea is full of emotion, especially when we get to that last plea, it's full of emotion and anguish. You know, and he's pretty much saying, if it's his father's will, he's being, you know, he's asking the father to spare the awful suffering that lay ahead. He knew what was going to happen to him. And. And we'll see in the book of Luke that his anguish is so great that his sweat fell like drops of blood to the ground. And it does there is a medical condition for that and it has been proven that people can be in anguish to the point that their, their sweat is like drops of blood. And I'm going to save the cool thing of, or the interesting thing about this for later on down the road. We'll bring it back up, but there's this, I didn't know this until I was reading a devotional on my email one day and it was an apologetic person. Christian who went and you would talk to a doctor about this medical condition, what it would have done for Christ and or what it did to Christ later. So we'll talk about that when we get to that point in his crucifixion. And what it is is it, it was not from the physical suffering that he was going to face that there's his anguish, but I know he probably, you know, didn't look forward to it because what person would look forward to knowing that you're going to be, you know, handed over, you know, you're going to be taken by your own own people, told to die. And, you know, you're going to be beaten like to the point of death by Roman soldiers. You're going to be nailed to a cross, which was the most excruciating and humiliating you know torture that could happen in those days and so you know we know he didn't look forward forward it you know we just don't know what he faced in the lonely hour now i've heard people say when this sorrow comes on it's because that is when the presence of the lord is starting to leave him Because we talked about Psalm 22 where Jesus cried out that he felt, you know, like the Lord, you know, has forsaken him and that I've heard theory about that, that that was when the presence of the Lord was starting to leave at this hour because he's going to go through this trial and, and through the crucifixion and that, and the weight of, of sin of the people's sins was starting to be placed upon him at that point is in that garden i've heard that theory and i think that it does make sense you know he's starting to feel the weight of sin upon him because he's he's at this hour and he's praying what we are certain was the pro you know the prospect that filled him with such horror was God's judgment on our sin the cup that he's talking about it involved paying the penalty that would have been ours had not Christ paid it for us if he hadn't gone to the cross if he hadn't died and rose from the grave We would still pay for the penalty of our sin. There would still be this separation. As I've, I've talked about when we've gone through the book of Exodus and that's what Jesus had to do. And as we end the daily reading the disciples are asleep and he says, the hour is near and the son of man is betrayed into the hands of sinners rise. Let's go. Here comes my betrayer. So at this point, as we go into the daily reading, we're going to see this culmination of everything coming together and and what happens. And so we'll talk about more of that as we go through the daily reading. Uh, that's all that I wanted to talk about today. Uh, so for tom- for the next podcast, for the reading, read Exodus chapter 36, verse thirty. 1 through chapter 38 verse 31 and psalm 25 verses 22 or 12 through 22 and then proverbs 4 verses 18 through 19 and then matthew 26 verses 47 through 68 and i'm going to end in a prayer and i just want to say thank you lord for this day lord we just look in this daily reading lord and as we can't as we read about christ in his crucifixion lord we just see and as we look back in the book of exodus that everything points to christ and the ultimate redemption that for our sins and lord we just thank you god that that you are a god of your word and that lord We just thank you, Lord, for your mercy, that, Lord, you didn't make us pay the penalty for our sins, even though we didn't deserve Jesus. And that, Lord, I pray that you just cleanse us of our sins. And I pray, God, for the healing in our bodies and our souls that comes from the forgiveness of our sins and from Jesus and the stripes he took on us back and, and the blood that he poured out for us, oh Lord God. And we just thank you that we are alive in Christ today because he rose from the, from the grave and he's alive. And Lord, we thank you God that for the victory and that Jesus is coming back and that Lord, we thank you for the hope that we have And that, Lord, I just pray today, Lord, that you would continue as we read your your word every single day, Lord, that it would just become revealed in our heart your will and, and what you want out of us today, Lord. And that we just thank you, God, for all that you do and continue to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a wonderful day.